Today is the ninth day of March. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian. It is fantastic to be here with you today as we gather to take the next step forward together. And uh, as, as always, the next step leads us to the place where we left off. And that will lead us back into the book of Numbers. Today we will read Numbers chapter 11, verse 24, through 13, verse 33. And just by way of reminder, we are in the wilderness with the children of Israel, uh, who are complaining about having to eat manna. And Moses had been complaining about having to do the job that he's doing of leading these people It is a burden that is crushing him. And so we pick up the story. Numbers 11, 24 through 13, 33. Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. He brought 70 men from the elders of the people and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord descended in the cloud and spoke to him. He took some of the spirit who was on Moses and placed the spirit on the seventy elders. As the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they never did it again. Two men had remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other Medad. The spirit rested on them. They were among those listed but had not gone out to the tent, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, assistant to Moses since his youth, responded, Moses, my lord, stop them. But Moses asked him, Are you jealous on my account? If only all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would place his spirit on them. Then Moses returned to the camp along with the elders of Israel. A wind sent by the Lord came up and blew quail in from the sea. It dropped them all around the camp. They were flying three feet off the ground for about a day's journey in every direction. The people were up all that day and night and all the next day gathering the quail. The one who took the least gathered 60 bushels and they spread them out all around the camp. While the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the Lord's anger burned against the people, and the Lord struck them with a very severe plague. So they named that place Kibroth Etava, because there they buried the people who had craved the meat. From Kibroth Etava, the people moved on to Hazaroth and remained there. Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because of the Cushite woman he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. They said, Does the Lord speak only through Moses? Does he not also speak through us? And the Lord heard it. Moses was a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, You three come out to the tent of meeting. 
So the three of them went out. Then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance to the tent, and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them came forward, he said, Listen to what I say. If there is a prophet among you from the Lord, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. I speak with him directly, openly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The Lord's anger burned against them, and he left. As the cloud moved away from the tent, Miriam's skin suddenly became diseased, resembling snow. When Aaron turned toward her, he saw that she was diseased and said to Moses, My Lord, please don't hold against us this sin we have so foolishly committed. Please don't let her be like a dead baby whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried out to the Lord, God, please heal her. The Lord answered Moses, If her father had merely spit in her face, wouldn't she remain in disgrace for seven days? Let her be confined outside the camp for seven days. After that, she may be brought back in. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until Miriam was brought back in. After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. The Lord spoke to Moses, Send men to scout out the land of Canaan I am giving to the Israelites. Send one man who is a leader among them from each of their ancestral tribes. Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the Lord's command. All the men were leaders in Israel. These were their names. Shamua, son of Zakur, from the tribe of Reuben. Shaphat, son of Hori, from the tribe of Simeon. Caleb, son of Depuna, from the tribe of Judah. Egal, son of Joseph, from the tribe of Issachar. Hoshea, son of Nun, from the tribe of Ephraim. Palti, son of Raphu, from the tribe of Benjamin. Gadiel, son of Sodi, from the tribe of Zebulun. Gadi, son of Susi, from the tribe of Manasseh, from the tribe of Joseph. Amiel, son of Gamali, from the tribe of Dan. Setur, son of Michael, from the tribe of Asher. Nabi, son of Volsfi, from the tribe of Naphtali. Gul, son of Maki, from the tribe of Gad. These were the names of the men Moses sent to scout out the land. And Moses renamed Hoshea, son of Nun, Joshua. When Moses sent them to scout out the land of Canaan, he told them, Go up this way to the Negev, then go up into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land they live in good or bad? Are the cities they live in encampments or fortifications? Is the land fertile or unproductive? Are there trees in it or not? 
Be courageous. Bring back some fruit from the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and scouted out the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehob, near the entrance to Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were living. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they came to Eshkol Valley, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, which was carried on a pole by two men. They also took some pomegranates and figs. That place was called Eshkol Valley because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from scouting out the land. The men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, We went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, Let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, We can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we pass through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. To ourselves we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. Mark 14, 22-52 As they were eating, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, gave it to them and said, Take it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I tell you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will fall away, because it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter told him, Even if everyone falls away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to him, 
today, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he kept insisting, if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And they all said the same thing. And they came to a place named Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little further, fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And again he came and found them sleeping, because they could not keep their eyes open. They did not know what to say to him. Then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. See? The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. With him was a mob with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. His betrayer had given them a signal. The one I kiss, he said. He's the one. Arrest him and take him away under guard. So when he came, immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. They took hold of him and arrested him. One of those who stood by drew his sword, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his ear. Jesus said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal to capture me? Every day I was among you, teaching in the temple, and you didn't arrest me? But the scriptures must be fulfilled. And they all deserted him and ran away. Now a certain young man, wearing nothing but a linen cloth, was following him. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. Psalm 52 God judges the proud. For the choir director, a masculine of David, when Doeg the Edomite went and reported to Saul, telling him, David went to Ahimelech's house. Why boast about evil, you hero? God's faithful love is constant. Like a sharpened razor, your tongue devises destruction, working treachery. You love evil instead of good, 
Lying instead of speaking truthfully. Selah. You love any words that destroy. You treacherous tongue. This is why God will bring you down forever. He will take you, ripping you out of your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Selah. The righteous will see and fear, and they will derisively say about that hero, Here is the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches, taking refuge in his destructive behavior. But I am like a flourishing olive tree in the house of God. I trust in God's faithful love forever and ever. I will praise you forever for what you have done. In the presence of your faithful people, I will put my hope in your name, for it is good. Proverbs 11, 1-3 Dishonest scales are detestable to the Lord, but an accurate weight is His delight. When arrogance comes, disgrace follows, but with humility comes wisdom. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the perversity of the treacherous destroys them. Okay, so yesterday in the book of Numbers, we talked about obstacles and hardship. The children of Israel in the wilderness complaining about having to eat manna and longing for what they used to get to eat when they were in bondage and slavery to the Egyptians. Moses as the leader being crushed by the weight of responsibility that he is facing in the wilderness. And so both of them end up crying out. But as we see in today's reading, God brought them quail. And so they had so much meat to eat. They couldn't eat it. And we saw God being exasperated in, in the whole situation because there's a lesson being taught in the wilderness, and that is that they are utterly dependent upon God, and that is a good, profoundly good thing because they are safe. And the obstacles and endurance that they are having to learn is generated by their sense of lack of what they don't have and how they feel unsafe and incapable of meeting their own desires. Why, why would that be exasperating to God? It's because they are safe and they are cared for what they are enduring is a fight within themselves. Can they truly trust God in the wilderness or do they need to start thinking about making their own arrangements? We face the same things, brothers and sisters. We face the same things ourselves. And when we start trying to make our own arrangements instead of following the safe path that God has for us through the wilderness, 
we end up staying in the wilderness as we will soon see until the children of Israel truly leave behind their identity in slavery and put their full and absolute hope and trust in God, they can't get forward. And we see that one playing out today because we actually reached the promised land today. We have been working toward getting to the promised land since the book of Genesis. Like, we have been on a long journey to get to this point, and here we are. Everything is ready. The people know the customs. They know the laws. They know the rituals. They know the holidays. They know what they're supposed to do. They know what they're supposed to do every day, and it's baked into their culture. Everything is reminding them of who they are and where they're going and who God is. And even with all of this, here we are at the precipice of the promised land. And spies are sent into the land. One from each tribe to go and spy out the land. And we kind of travel. We don't have a ton of narrative about their journeys, but we have some. And we know that they went and cut down some of the fruits in the valley of Eshkol. That goes back to the book of Genesis. In fact, I remember when we were going through the book of Genesis, I said, remember this place. Remember this. Remember the Valley of Eshkol here. Remember this because we're going to come back here. And now we're back here. The Valley of Eshkol is where the cave of Machpelah is. The cave of Machpelah is where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are buried. It's been centuries since the children of Israel have been anywhere near there. But on their journeys spying out the land, they went through there and they would have been able to see this is true. This isn't just stuff of lore and legend. This is true. This is our origin story. And then they come back and they give a report. We can't possibly take this land. We can't do it. There are giants there. There are fortified cities there. It's a beautiful land flowing with milk and honey, but we can't take it. We look like grasshoppers to them. This is on the heels of God miraculously providing meat after their complaints in the wilderness. And we could work back all of God's leadership in their lives since he brought them out of the land of Egypt in miraculous fashion. He has been providing and sustaining them ever since. Even though at times they had to actually trust him because at times they had run out of their own ability. And here we are at the threshold and once again, they have determined that they're not safe to trust in God. And in their own strength, they cannot conquer this land of promise. We'll have to see how that plays out. But we could look in our own lives and see how that plays out. We just have this idea that obstacles and hardship always bad 
things. They're labeled bad. They bring bad emotions. We associate hard and bad emotions to them. And so we try to avoid in every possible way that we can anything that makes us endure. I'm the same way, like 100% on the same page, doing the same thing. What I've learned now that I've lived long enough to learn this is that you can do everything you possibly can to arrange to avoid these things, but there are, is no way, there's no way to perfectly avoid any kind of challenge, hardship, conflict, or endurance. And we watched that even in the life of our Savior Jesus today. Because Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane in our reading today, asking God if the cup could pass, if there were a, an alternative path, if there were another way. He's crying out to his disciples enough to, to say that like the anxiety within him is to the point of death. Or to disquote it from Mark, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. It's like even Jesus in this moment doesn't want to be left alone. Like he is enduring his own human mortality and the shortness of it that is left to remain. Even Jesus endured. And Jesus is one with the Father. This is what we believe as Christians. So even God endured. Jesus demonstrated absolute and utter trust all the way through death only to find resurrection. So there are some poignant and profound lessons for our lives as we move through the wilderness with the children of Israel and watch their story. And as we're able to move over into the Gospels and watch Jesus model so much of this for us so that we can see what both ends of the spectrum look like. Let's continue to meditate upon it. Let's continue to invite the Holy Spirit to show us the places that we do not have utter and complete trust for God or trust at all for God. And that this creates all kinds of disconnects inside of us because we're trying to trust him to do something. But when he's not doing it the way that we expected or the way that we wanted, then we reach in and hijack the story and try to write a different chapter than He's trying to tell through us, understanding that we can't avoid some of the challenges in life, but that those challenges in life are challenges within us because they are beyond our control. But from God's perspective, they're nothing. And our response in trusting God to lead us through whatever wilderness we are walking through is the right choice, the safe choice. Like, the self-preservation choice is to trust God in the wilderness. Let's give it some thought. As the Holy Spirit come, 
Because in the wilderness, when we feel like we are being pressed and that we have navigated into a place where there's no way out, that is the time to trust you. And it is the time that we don't. It's the time that we make ourselves crazy trying to figure out our own solutions. When none of this is a problem for you. None of the stuff is a problem for you. And if we had a long view, none of this is a problem for us either. It's an opportunity for us to trust you and to come Holy Spirit and help us to understand that sometimes the challenges that we face are invitations to go deeper. Take us deeper, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. DailyAudioBible.com is home base. It is where you find out what is going on around here. So certainly check that out. You can do that with the Daily Audio Bible app as well, which you can download free from the app store that works with your device. And so check that out. Check out the different sections, like the community section. This is where to find the prayer wall that we speak of. It's always available to us. We can always go there and pray for each other. You can always go there and ask for prayer. And there are links there to get connected to the different social media channels that we participate in. So check that out. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, thank you humbly. There is a link on the homepage at dailyaudiobible.com. If you're using the app, you can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner. Or the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. And as always, if you have a prayer request or encouragement, you can hit the hotline button in the app, or there are a number of numbers that you can call. In the Americas, 877-942-4253 is the number to dial. If you are in the UK or Europe, 442036-088078 is the number to call. And if you are in Australia or that part of the world, 613-8820-5459 is the number to dial. And that is it for today. I am Brian, and I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here tomorrow. Hello, Dab family. Pastor Steve from Southwest Ohio. Just wanted to say, praise the Lord. You know, things seem to be going down for a lot of folks, but we need to look up. And he works through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. I give him praise for the outpouring of revival all over this nation and other nations as well. Continue to be the salt and the light for those who are lost to see Christ, to be drawn to him for his glory for all those who are downcast and sad my prayer goes up for you too keep looking up keep pressing forward and don't lose heart for he is our shield and our fortress and our strong tower our ever-present help in time of trouble so 
Lord Jesus, in your precious name and by your precious blood and through the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd be with everyone who is struggling, but everyone who is praising, and just continue to let them be that light that shines your light for others who are lost to see and be drawn to you for your glory. Be truly born again, saved in every way to the uttermost. And I pray for Brian and his family and uh, everyone else. And just thank you so much for your prayers for me and my family. And I hope to talk with you again soon. Until then, may God richly bless. Heidi ho, siblings. It's your little sis, his little Cherie in Canada. I just want to thank everyone for their prayers for my counseling. It's going really well. I've had two sessions so far, and it's hard, but I'm doing it, and I'm proud of myself for that. I'm so grateful for for all of your prayers. I know that's making a big difference. And I just want to say, if you are feeling God poking you in the ribs to start some counseling or therapy or to get some professional help, please don't ignore it because God is the one who designed our minds. He's so interested in the inner workings of our hearts and and he's so invested in making us whole. So please cooperate with him. I also want to say a big shout out to all the therapists and counselors out there. What you do is incredibly valuable. You are partnering with the counselor himself. And um, what could be more important than that? So thank you so much. Thank you guys. I so appreciate your love and support and your prayers. And uh, if I have any major updates, I'll let you know. I also just wanted to say that one way you might know that it's time to get some therapy or, or counseling is because you have a very challenging person in your life. And um, that's, that's one of the things that helped me to understand that I needed some help. Because it's so easy to think the, you know, that person or that person is the issue, is the problem. But I've figured out that, yeah, it's a bit of a mirror. So pay attention to that. Hi, DAB family. Um, My name is Emma. I am a longtime listener, first time caller. Um, I am calling to pray for Beloved on the Beach and her daughter, Emma. Um, Emma is my name. And so I wanted to stand with you and pray with you for your daughter and what she's going through. Um, Lord, we just thank you that Beloved on the Beach called in. She is boldly approaching your throne and asking for help. And so, Lord, I just grab her hand and stand with her and ask you, God, to um, intervene in this situation and send help. I ask you, God, to touch Emma's heart, that you would soften her and that you would come to her in her alone time and that she would feel your presence and be aware that you're with her, um, that you would come to her in dreams and visions and that you would give her comfort. This move is very hard and she is struggling with depression. And so I also ask, God, that you give Beloved on the Beach 
um, wisdom and clarity and discernment about steps to make to help her. Um, anything that she needs for her mental health recovery during this time, I want you to speak to her mother and, and show her exactly what to do and how to get her the help and the support that she needs right now. Lord, I ask that you send Emma friends that will uplift her and edify her and sharpen her and make her the best version of herself and that would shine your light into her life and help Emma as she recovers and as she um, walks through this new season of her life. Hello, my name is Sina from PA. It's March 1st. It's my first time calling. I've been listening to the Dabba family and been part of the family for quite some time. I love you all. I've been in a health storm for some time and I'm calling to ask for prayer alongside my church family. Um, I have stopped walking. Um, my brain is currently not communicating with my body. Just in January I was walking and driving and functioning like uh, everyone else. Um, I miss being uh, a mom, a wife. Um, I was a caregiver and um, today I made the decision of putting my mom in an assisted living facility because I could no longer be her caretaker. Um, um, I need prayer to get back on my feet. I have to go be discharged from the hospital to be put in an inpatient rehab facility to be strengthened, to be able to sit up on my own and walk. So I just ask for prayer, for strengthening, for health because I want to be reunited with my family and be restored with health. Thank you. God bless you all. Hello, my DAB family. This is Unwavering from North Carolina. We've received a lot of prayer requests regarding the restoration of marriages, including my own. And I'll be honest, I have really struggled this last week or so regarding my trust and faith in God and restoration. So I want to lift us up, those of us who are standing for our spouses, to our Abba Father. Oh, most gracious Father, your word says that if we delight ourselves in you, you will give us the desires of our heart. Your word also says it is not good for man or woman to be alone. And you said that we will receive anything we ask for. So Father God, we are lifting up our spouses and we are thanking you right now in advance for bringing them back to us. We know that the timing is up to you, and only you know the right way and the right time. So, Father, we lift them up, believing you to draw them closer to you with hearts of flesh, repentant hearts that are on fire for you and your kingdom. Help us to walk holy while we await your promised restoration for us. Keep us hungry and thirsty for you. 
Please remove bitterness, anger, hatred, resentments from all hearts in every marriage. Help us to be standard bearers for you, God, when it comes to marriage. Father, we know that you honor your covenants and we declare that you are the God of the impossible. So I'm standing on behalf of all of those who are struggling as I have these last few weeks, Father, praising and adoring you and knowing that we will trust in you and your timing. Amen. Good morning, Dabbers. This is Mommy's Little Rock from Arkansas. I just wanted to call in to um, respond to a prayer request from Beloved on the Beach for her daughter, Emma. And Beloved, I got to tell you, this touched me so much because I went through the same thing when I was uh, a sophomore in high school, entering um, a soft, as a sophomore. My mom, bless her soul, she moved us from Chicago to New Jersey, and I hated everything about it. I could, I can't tell you how awful I felt. I was lonely. I was sad. I wore black every day. I don't know. I think I was in mourning. I don't know. But it was so hard. Um, the kids were different. Um, and, you know, it took me a few years to really understand the purpose. Um, I was 15, 16 years old. I just knew that I just wanted to be back home in Chicago with my friends. I didn't realize that my mother was trying to give me a chance um, at a better life because Chicago, um, where we lived, was, you know, filled with gangs and a lot of just bad things were happening to friends of ours. So this was uh, what she needed to do. And it was a good decision. Trust me when I say you made the right decision. And I speak from not having children, but knowing that sacrifice that you made and how hard it's touching your heart to see your daughter go through this. But I promise you, beloved, she's going to adjust. She's going to do fine. I ended up going to a um, great high school. Didn't really like the kids, but I went to a great high school. I met a great friend of mine who we are still friends till this day, 30 years later. So hold on, hang on and keep praying. Love you.